All right, bless you guys. For those of you guys who are here with us today for the first time, I just want to welcome you and greet you. My name is Jay Duncan, and uh, I, I lead this place by the grace of the Lord. And um, it's one of the most favorite things uh, that, I, that I get to do here is just serve this house. Um, I'm actually going to shift gears here a little bit. I feel like the Lord is breathing on something uh, as it relates to this spirit of distraction, as it relates to uh, the time and the season that we're in right now. So I feel like the Lord just gave me something fresh off the press that I want to, I want to pursue here uh, for this morning. So I'm going to pray. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. And uh, we're going to jump into the word this morning. Father, we bless your name today. And we thank you for your goodness. And we thank you for your faithfulness. And Father, we thank you that you move us from glory to glory. And you move us from strength to strength. Father, we thank you that we don't have to leave advancement to our own willpower. We don't have to leave it to our own abilities. That it is you who is constantly pulling us and lifting us and encouraging us to move forward in you. It is your design. It is your design for us to mature. It is your design for us to be enlarged. It is your design for us to increase capacity. And so, Father, today we want to learn, and we, we want to learn how to participate with that. We want to learn how to agree with that so that we can mature as sons and daughters, so that we can advance your kingdom into the sphere of responsibility that you've placed us in and beyond, so that our spheres could grow, that your kingdom could fully come on the earth. So, Holy Spirit, we ask for your help today. We ask for the spirit of revelation. We ask for the spirit of wisdom. We ask, O oh Spirit of the living God, that you would hover upon every single one of us and do what no man can do. You would break mindsets and mentalities and paradigms, that you would even move the hardened heart closer into you. We ask you these things by faith and in agreement today in Jesus' name. Come on, Antioch. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 just writing the Pentecost theme here today. And when the day of Pentecost had come, this is verse one, chapter two, they were all together in one place. They were all together in one place. All together, obviously here is speaking of physically. They were all physically together in one physical geographical location. But I believe that we're also gonna see that they were all together in heart. They were all together in mind. They were all together in spirit. They were harnessed and honed in on one common assignment. And that was the assignment that Jesus had given to them in the closing chapters of each of the gospels. It was the same assignment he gave them in the, in the uh, beginning of Acts chapter one where he says, wait in Jerusalem, there is a gift I'm going to give you. You have an assignment. Your assignment is to be launched out into all of the world. You have an assignment to make disciples of all the nations, but you need something that I have to give you. There is a power, there is a gift, there is an endowment of the Holy Spirit that is gonna be released to you, and now you have to stay under the governing authority, stay under the authority of my command. Are you hearing me today? You know, one of the messages I preach as it relates to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and as it relates to Pentecost is that Jesus had promised multiple times that there was an endowment of power that was promised to his disciples. That power was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it's interesting 
that in that endowment of power, see, the issue here isn't power. The issue here isn't that we need more power. See, Satan works in the game of power. He tries to manipulate and move us into stepping out underneath authority so that we can apprehend power for ourselves. That was the issue in the garden. In the garden in Genesis chapter three, Satan comes to Adam and he comes to Eve and he says, listen, if you will simply move yourself out from underneath the governing authority of God's voice in your life, you can apprehend and operate in the same measure of power that he can. So Satan always moves in the arena of power. Power is not necessarily the issue. Power is available to us, but power is not the issue. The issue is authority. The issue is, can we remain under the authority of God? And as we remain under the authority, here's the beautiful thing, is that we're not limited to our power and our ability alone. When we stay under the authority of God, we now have access to his power. We understand this in law enforcement. We understand this in the military. We understand this in fields and arenas that operate specifically in the realm of power and of authority. So Jesus is saying, I am promising you that power is available to you. There is a power to cast out devils. There is a power to speak in other tongues. There is a power to advance the kingdom, but you need to learn how to stay underneath that authority so that I can trust you with that power. One of the most dangerous things is for someone to have a power that exceeds their submission to authority. That's how tyrants and despots and dictators rise into a place of power that supersedes their ability to stay under authority. Remember that for every great engine, you must have a stronger brake. The issue isn't how gifted you are. The issue isn't how skilled you are. The issue isn't how fast you can reach promotion. The issue is in the spirit of sonship, how submitted can we remain to the authority that God has put upon our life, trusting that he will release power commensurate to our ability to handle it. That's what was happening here. Jesus said, wait for the gift. And so his disciples, even though they'd been trained for many years, even though they'd walked with Jesus for many years, they followed in that place of obedience. They submitted to the authority that he had spoke over their lives and they became qualified to walk in the power that he promised. That's just a little side issue right there. Verse two, suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves and they rested on each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. I don't have time to go into this. You can access some of our previous messages that we've preached over the years, but I wanna be very, very clear, church, that we are a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led, Spirit-inspired, Spirit-baptized, Spirit-governed people. I believe the church of the New Testament was birthed and baptized by the Holy Spirit. I believe that we must maintain that life of the Spirit by the baptism and the power, the adumment, the unction, the anointing, the fire, and the passion of the Holy Spirit. I believe that what we're going into in the future, we cannot be successful. We cannot advance God's kingdom without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If they needed it then, I believe how much more do we need it today? But I wanna focus here. Let's just keep reading and watch what happens as the story progresses. Verse five, 
And now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, what sound are they speaking of? The sound of heaven that filled the room, but it was also the sound of the voices of people speaking in other tongues. When this sound occurred, they were bewildered because they were each one hearing them speak in his own language. Those of you who understand some of the historical context of what was going on here, people from all over the world and particularly people from all the different nations and geographical regions outside of Jerusalem, they would come to Jerusalem for the feast that Jared was speaking of earlier today, the Old Testament feast. So they would travel hundreds and thousands of miles to come make sacrifice and to come honor these feasts. And so people of all different types of languages of Jewish descent were now hearing People speak in their own native tongue. Verse seven, and they were amazed and marveled, saying, why not? Why are not all those who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Verse 11, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity saying to one another, what does this mean? Verse 13, but others were mocking and saying they are full of sweet wine. Other translations say they are drunk. Now, for all intents and purposes, revival is breaking out here. You guys agree with that? I mean, for all intents and for all purposes, the spirit of awakening the promise of the Holy Spirit, the power of God is being released from heaven. It's coming upon, this has never happened in the history of the church before. And in the middle of a move of God, in the middle of a sovereign outpouring and download of God's presence, you can't have a mocking spirit. I said, you can't have a mocking spirit. Come on church, I'm gonna need you to talk to me today. I'm gonna need you, I need you to help me. You can have a divisive, you can have a rebellious you can have a mocking spirit right in the middle of a move of God. It is possible. It's possible because we see it happen right here in the scriptures. People are getting filled with the new wine of the Holy Spirit. There is something that is taking place on a supernatural scale. And right in the middle of that, people who have no spiritual discernment, people who have no spiritual insight, people who are not aligned with the purposes of God can sit back and criticize and judge and mock and ridicule. And the scripture says here, verse 13, they were mocking them. So it's not just that they were looking with curiosity. It's not just that they were inquisitive of something they'd never seen before. It was that there was literally a spirit of mockery that was upon them for things that they had never experienced before in the spirit. Friends, I want you to know that as we continue to press into God, I want you to know as people get healed of cancer, as people start getting baptized, as people in denominations come out and start experiencing life in the spirit, there will be an assignment from heaven hell that a mocking spirit will be sent. A mocking spirit always accompanies a new move of God. You need to hear me this morning. It always accompanies with every assignment of God. There is also a counter assignment of the enemy to invalidate, to discount, and to mock and ridicule that which God wants to do. And as we look throughout church history, we will always find that for every new move that God does, if we are not conscious, 
to remain flexible in our hearts and remain flexible in our mentalities, that new move will soon become an old wineskin whereby people will hold on to that when God is wanting to move that church forward. At one point, as we, again, looking throughout church history, we began to speak against healing and as healing began to invade the church and people were awakened to the power of God and the healing, people said, we're gonna hold on to this. But the revelation of healing should not hold us back from the new revelations that God has for us. There are things that God wants to do. There are places he wants to take us. And we've gotta be mindful that there will be a mocking spirit that comes in to oppose that. Let's just keep looking at this here a little bit. Verse 14, but Peter, I love this, taking his stand with the 11, raised his voice and declared to them. Let me just stop right here. Number one, we have to understand that when things come in to oppose the move of God, that when things come in to oppose the corporate assignment that God has, there must be a man, there must be a voice, there must be a person, there must be a people that will rise together and say, we are not going to allow a mocking spirit to prevail in the atmosphere. Parents, if you can get a hold of this, this will change the way that you lead your homes. This will change the way. You need to understand that the spirit of the culture is an anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-family mocking spirit that is coming to mock and to contend against that which you're trying to establish in your homes. In the workplace, that kingdom order, that kingdom understanding, that kingdom value that you're trying to establish in the workplace, there is a spirit that is assigned to contend with that. It's a mocking spirit. It's an anti-God, anti-Christ spirit that is on assignment to contend with that which you're trying to build. Scripture says here, but Peter took his stand. Not by the soul, not by agitation, not by irritation, not by frustration, but by the spirit of the living God, understanding assignment, you have to take your stand and address that thing. Parents, I wanna encourage you before you ever sit down and address something in behavior, address that spirit that's been assigned to bring mocking and division into your home. Address that in the spirit first and then sit down with your children. And then sit down and have that conversation with your spouse and then sit down and talk with your employees and then sit down and talk with your colleagues because there is something that is on assignment to disrupt and to distract the assignment that you're on. We're talking about the spirit of distraction this morning. Let me read something for you here in terms of the definition of distraction. Number one, distraction means the act of distracting. It is a drawing apart. It is a separation. It is a separation. And he, what the enemy will try to do whenever there is a corporate vision in your family, in your home, in your legacy, in a church, in a workplace, is the spirit of distraction is designed to separate people from the corporate vision. The spirit of distraction is designed to pull people's eyes, to pull people's attention, to pull people's hearts off course from that which God is trying to do to a people. Number two, distraction is confusion from a multiplicity of objects crowding on the mind and calling the attention different ways. 
You know, when you get those negative reports, as we looked at in Numbers 13, and we may go there today if we have time, what the enemy was trying to do was saying, every one of these people's eyesight, their vision, their focus, their faith, it's moving towards promise. All I have to do is get their eyesight off of conquering. I gotta get their attention off of moving forward. I gotta get their vision off of inheriting promise. I've gotta take their mind in a different direction. Number three, it is confusion of affairs. It is tumult, it is disorder. Everything that the enemy does on a personal level, the enemy does on a regional and geographic level. Everything that he can do in a heart and a mind, he can do in an atmosphere and in a region. You can go into some places, and some of you intercessors understand this, and this should arm you, all of our watchmen, all of our gatekeepers, all of our prophetic intercessors. You need to understand that when you come into a place like this, that the enemy has assignments to bring distraction into the atmosphere. The enemy hates it when God gets glorified. He hates it when people's lives get set free. He hates it when the sick get healed. He hates it when the son or daughter of God get revelation that propels their lives forward. He hates it when people operate in the spirit of unity. He hates it when hearts get awakened to the reality of God. And so if he can come in and start distracting you, why is it? Why is it? All week long, everything's been at peace until Sunday morning. Why is that? Why is it the babies don't teethe all week long until midnight, Saturday night, and then all of a sudden, all night long? I'm not upset. I ain't upset. I'm not bringing my stuff into this room. Huh? Why is that? Why is that you guys can be in sync with your wife, with your husband all week long, and on Sunday morning, something happened, and you just cross wires? Why is that? Because a spirit of distraction is coming to take your eyes off. Why is it you've been full of energy? Why is it that before we got saved? Now, y'all ain't ready for this. Y'all, before we got saved, we could hang out in the club. We could come home 3, 4 a.m. in the morning, wake up at 6, be strong for work the next day. Come on, talk to me in this place. Some of us, some of us had more energy, more vibrancy, more vitality before we got saved. We get saved Sunday morning. We tired. We're so fatigued. Our minds are just beat down. What is that? It's a spirit of distraction to come against the strength of your mind. And beloved, you've been given authority against the spirit of distraction. You've been given authority against that bad news of the enemy. Take authority over that thing. Refuse, refuse to let negative reports take root into the future of your lives. Refuse to allow it to encroach upon your spirit. There was a spirit of distraction, verse 14, but Peter took his stand. Today, we take our stand against every distraction of the enemy. We serve every mocking spirit in this place. We serve every mocking spirit that is assigned to our children, assigned to our workplace, that is assigned to our spouses. We serve it. Notice that you are not welcome and you have no authority and we cancel your assignment and we silence your voice today in the name of Jesus. I want you guys to see what happens here. So Peter, man, he just gets fired up. The same guy who denied Jesus is now standing up and he is confronting his mockers. The same man who cursed Jesus, the same man who turned his back on Jesus, now baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit, has an assignment and he is now speaking to a crowd of people. Let's look at what happens here, verse 37. 
verse 37 of chapter two, he just preaches the gospel. And it says, now when they, the people who heard this, they were pierced to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? See, there was an assignment that Peter had that day. And if Peter had given more validation to the spirit of distraction that was operating there, there were thousands whose destiny would have been affected. You need to hear by the spirit what I'm saying today. Some of the things that we do in our churches today, there are nothing more but a spirit of distraction. I'm telling you, they are nothing more than a spirit of distraction. They are designed by the wisdom of man to placate, to appeal, to appease, to entertain, to attract, and it's a distraction. It is a distraction. Tell me why we can watch a movie for three hours, but we can't worship God more than 30 minutes because a spirit of a distraction has come into the church to to dumb down our endurance level. Dumb down our endurance level. You know, there are some people who will stand in line for two hours to go to their favorite restaurant, stand in two, line for two hours to ride an amusement park, amuse me, entertain me, but we can't worship God longer than 30 minutes. It's a spirit of distraction. And it's sent to mock the glory of God in the church. It is sent to mock the power of God in the earth in this hour. Peter stood up and he addressed that thing because there was an assignment Friends, you need to know I'm on assignment every week that we get into this place. I'm on assignment. I'm on assignment. There is something, I love you relationally, I wanna connect with you, but there is an assignment. There is something that must be displaced every time we come together. There is something that must be further established every time we come together. The name, you know, what we do matters. What we do makes a difference. What we do changes atmospheres. What we do affects climates. It really does matter if you come here ready or not. It really does matter if you come here on time or you drag in here 20 minutes late. It matters. It matters. It makes a difference. Am I getting too close to home this morning? Telling you. We're not, we're not here to play games. Some of you guys who are on a sports team, tell me why on a sports team, if you, if you were in the back cutting up with your buddy in the locker room when the coach was talking to you, Jordan, what would happen? <laughs> you would run until you threw up. And if you did it again, you're off the team. That's just all there is to it. We treat, we treat games with more respect then we treat the family of God and the assignment of the kingdom and the glory of heaven and the sacrifice of our king. We do, we just do. And I'm telling you, it's a spirit of distraction that has come into the church to distract us from assignment. Look at this, I'm, I'm, I'm still reading, I'm just, I'm just reading definitions. Number four, madness. The word distraction is defined as madness. 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 A state of disordered reason, frankiness, furiousness. That's the, that's the description, the definition for distraction. When we partner with the spirit of distraction, we are partnering with the spirit of madness. A spirit where the order of God is no longer welcome into a place anymore. Chaos, frenzy, frenetic, no ordered thinking. 
to God. And you know, Paul says this, he says, listen, when I fight, when I train, man, every move that I make, I don't wanna flail my arms around with a lot of motion. Do not confuse motion with advancement. Disciplined, trained, focused, accurate. I want my prayers to make a difference, don't you? Don't you want your prayers to make a difference? Jesus spoke one word and a tree died. He spoke one word and lepers were cleansed. That's the kind of focus that Jesus, that's the kind of training, that's the kind of discipline God's trying to bring his people into. Get distractions away from you, beloved. Be focused when you come in. Look at number five. It says folly in the extreme. Folly. Some of y'all need to be writing these definitions down. The Lord will unpack this for you. The word distraction means folly, foolishness. No reason in what? In extremes. Those of you guys, some of you guys are caught up in video games and it makes you into a crazy person. Staying up till 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 Listen, listen, that's folly in the extreme. That's folly, that's waste. That's wastefulness. That's extravagance. That's lunacy. It's ridiculous. There are men who have literally thrown away their education. There are men that I knew in Oral Roberts University that would stay up till four, five, six in the morning playing James Bond video games every week and the next semester don't see them anywhere. What happened? They lost their scholarships. They lost their degrees because of folly in the extremes. And you can fill that in with any vice that you want. It's a spirit of distraction. It's stealing our men. Listen to me, it is stealing our, you know what pornography is? It is a spirit of distraction. Married together with the spirit of lust. Designed to, ass- designed to attack our men, to distract them from their post on their families. Designed to distract them from pressing in and getting strong in the Lord. Designed to pull their power away from them. Designed to emasculate them in the spirit. It's a spirit of distraction. It's exactly what it is. I'm not against some good entertainment from time to time. I'm not trying to be religious, but I'm telling you that there are, that by and large, most of media is a spirit of distraction. It is designed to steal your heart and to steal your mind and your focus, to steal your marriage, your legacy, your inheritance, your destiny. It is designed to steal you from your assignment. I better move for you guys start stoning me in this place. So the first thing that we need to be equipped to address is a mocking spirit. I'm, I'm not doing a good job here today. My, teach, my teacher gift is kind of down here. Number one, a mocking spirit is what we must be equipped to address. Number two, we must be equipped to address a rebellious spirit. A spirit of distraction is a rebellious spirit. I'm gonna say that one more time. We don't like to hear that word in church. That word's off limits. It's illegal to say that in church. No, most of us in church are operating in rebellion. It's a rebellious spirit. Any spirit, when the order of the day is to worship God and we're having conversations in the back that have nothing to do with the worship of God, it's rebellion. It's what it is. When the assignment that comes from the head is in one direction, anything that we do willingly and intentionally as mature believers that does not line up, it's rebellion. It's defiance. 
It's disobedience. And like I teach my children, when do we obey? Parents, when do we obey? First time. We obey the first time. Listen, we exist to move you, beloved, into a state of maturity. That's why we exist. That's why God preserved Antioch Church. Five years ago, this place should have shut down and he kept it open because I believe that he is moving us towards moving a mature sons and daughters, a company of sons and daughters into the earth. It requires maturity. For what God wants to do in this hour, it requires maturity. We must be willing to address a rebellious spirit. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. I feel bad for all of our guests today. <laughs> we love you. Numbers chapter 13, verse 25. And when they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, listen to this, this is amazing if you just soak in this a little bit. These guys were out on a backpacking trip. For, they were in the field, 40 days, eating their MREs, spying out things in the land, doing reconnaissance, 40 days away from their families, 40 days away from the overarching community of faith. Verse 26, and they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregations of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him and said, we went into the land where you sent us and it certainly does flow with milk and honey and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and they're very large. And moreover, we saw giants there. It's a distraction. Basically what they did was they pulled the fruit. They said, this is our destiny. They said, this is what is available. This is our potential. This is our promise. This is, this is what our families could be. This is what our children could be in the Lord. But the opposition is too great. We're too intimidated by the boo of the enemy. We're too intimidated by the opposition of the enemy. In other words, here's what they were saying. That is not worth our fight. I'd rather smoke my life away than have inheritance for my children. That's what they said. I'd rather play video games than set my children up for greater legacy and success in the Lord. That's what I'd rather do. I'd rather hold on to my bitterness and my unforgiveness than to fight for the destiny of my grandchildren. That's what they were saying. It's a spirit of rebellion and it's a distracting spirit. Later in Numbers chapter 14, you can read this on your own, but essentially Moses calls this out and he says, this is a spirit of rebellion. It's designed to take our eyes off the power of God. It's designed to get us out of obedience with God. How many of you guys are listening to me today? Let me just wrap this up very quickly. Number three, a divisive spirit. A spirit of distraction is a divisive spirit. It is a spirit that is designed to bring division into your entity, into the field that you are assigned to govern. Let's go to Philippians chapter two. See, listen, listen, listen. We can talk about prayer focuses or foci. We can talk about praying. We can talk about pursuit nights. But listen, we can all be in the same place. We can all, we can all be seeing the same thing. But if our hearts are not moving in a spirit of agreement and a spirit of submission to our commander and to our king, we will, not, we will not experience that which God has for us. Philippians chapter two. 
I felt something just click over in my spirit this morning. We are in pre-service prayer. By the way, I invite all of you, 915. Listen, we need an army of people crying out for the destiny of God in this church and this city. And I invite you, 915 in the upper room, we are praying. And it's serious, it's serious prayer. You want to learn how to pray? Come join us. Learn how to cry out. Learn how to intercede. Somebody give a prophetic word that on this day of Pentecost, God is, he is, he is pushing us into a new place of operating and something just quickened in my spirit. And I said, yes. There needs to be a yes where we say, God, I do not want to live in this wilderness anymore. Thank you for providing the manna. Thank you for providing the quail, but I want honey. I want, I want to build. I want to advance. I want to take territory. I want to take ground. I am not a victim. Philippians chapter two, verse one, if therefore is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the spirit, if there's any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in the same spirit intent on the same purpose. Look at that. If I had time, I'd preach this four things right there. Same mind, same love, same spirit, same purpose. Imagine what the church of the living God could do if we had the same mind, same spirit, same love, same purpose. This is what Jesus was praying for in John chapter 17. God, let them be of the same mind, same love, same spirit, same purpose, and they'll change the world. Nothing will hold them back. Nothing can stop them. You know what the greatest detriment, the power of God in the church is? Your selfishness. My selfishness. You know why we don't see miracles? Your selfishness. My selfishness. That's why. That is why. It's why we don't see the, 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 the lame walk. It's your selfishness. It's my selfishness. It's our immature selfishness. It's, it's why it is. And we can blame it on the devil or we can take ownership and say, no, I have responsibility. I need to die to my selfishness and I need to become like Christ. Let's keep reading verse two, verse three. Do nothing from selfishness. It's not my words, church. Don't shoot the postman. I love you. Do nothing out of selfishness. Essentially what he was saying here is the thing that keeps us from the same mind, same love, same spirit, same purpose is our selfishness. It's our unwillingness to let go of our pleasure. It's our unwillingness to submit. It's our unwillingness to change. It's our unwillingness to get in line and get in order. And he says that right there will keep the church impotent and powerless and ineffective. Do nothing out of selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. The spirit of distraction is a spirit of division. How do you fight against that? You humble your heart. You submit to a greater cause. You get in formation. You get in formation. You get in line. You find your place and you serve. You serve. One of the first things they do in the military is they teach you how to stand in a straight line. Why is that? Find your place. Find your place. Submit to your place. Be there. Do it. That, that right there, that right there is what is going to bring God's kingdom into the earth. Let me just speak to you like a father today. 
Let me speak to you today as someone who is saying, guys, let's move forward in the spirit. Final thing right here. A spirit of distraction is a spirit of indifference. It is a spirit of indifference. You know, if the, if the enemy can't get you frustrated, if the enemy can't cause you to hate evil and hate sin, you know what he'll, you know what he'll do? He'll just cause you not to care. How many times did Jesus do miraculous things because he was moved with compassion? You know what that means? It means he cared. It means he was bothered. It means he was bothered by the state of sick people around him. He was bothered by the state of the church. It was bothered by the state of the culture around him. A spirit of distraction is a spirit of indifference. We just don't care anymore. We don't have any fight. We don't have any guts. We don't have any passion. We just don't care. And that is the assignment of the enemy. If he can't take you out, he'll just take your fight away from you. That's what he'll do. He'll take your, he'll take your willpower. He'll take your passion. Beloved, today, let me just read this to you. Let me just read this in Mark chapter two. We wanna close here in Mark chapter two. I hope that the enemy doesn't come at you and try to tell you that you're condemned. I hope the enemy doesn't come at you and, and say, man, this, this, this crazy guy is just angry at us. That, that would be totally off. This is the design for the church to be provoked unto our potential in God. Mark chapter two, let's just read this here for a few verses. Verse one, and when he had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no longer room even near the door and he was speaking the word to them and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him and when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying and Jesus, seeing their faith, not the paralytic's faith, seeing their faith. He saw the faith of the four men who were willing to carry a man who couldn't carry himself. This Tuesday, this past Tuesday, as we were praying for the church, we pray for you guys every day, but we focus in on praying for you on Tuesdays. And one of the things that I felt like the Lord just gave us an assignment, you know, I don't know if you've recognized this, but the number of sick people in this house has been increasing over the past six months. It's been increasing. Broken ribs, broken wrists, cancer, all this craziness. Listen, that's, that's a spirit of distraction to keep us from moving forward. There is promise. But we could care about that or we could just be indifferent about that. You see, the invitation of God is this. Listen, I just want to say this for a few minutes and we're going to get out of here and you can go eat lunch and just forget about everything that happened today. Okay, listen, 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 listen. The assignment of the enemy is this. This is what he wants to do. He wants us to not, he wants to so inundate us. He wants to define what normal is so that we don't care anymore. Sickness is not normal. If it's not happening in heaven, it shouldn't happen on earth. It's abnormal. Sickness is not normal. Cancer is not normal. It's not normal. It's not normal. It should not be accepted. It's not normal. Do you hear me this morning? It's not normal. Poverty is not normal. 
The spirit of God is the spirit that goes against the status quo. The spirit of the status quo is the spirit of the enemy. It's the spirit of indifference. It's the distraction of the enemy. This is your normal. Accept it. Don't break out of this. No, no, beloved. You are a child of God. You are designed to break the barrier of the status quo. You are designed to break through normal. You are designed to shatter records. You are designed to bring heaven to earth. I hate the normal of the enemy. Be disgruntled by that. Be frustrated with what the enemy tries to tell you is normal in the earth. These four men, I don't know what their relationship was with this paralytic, and it really doesn't matter. What matters is they were bothered enough by his situation. We don't know if they were friends. We don't know if they were family members. All we know is they were bothered enough, and they were moved out of their indifference enough to pick up an end of a mat and carry him to an answer. Friends, listen, listen. Until we get out of our indifference and we care enough about Lisa Collicott and Tommy Femright and all the people and Coit Walker and the people and, 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 and Kim Turpo and the people that are struggling in their bodies to pray and fast and move and believe and cry out and do something extraordinary, it won't change. It won't change. It will not change. I want to declare today that we wage war on the spirit of indifference because it's a distraction. It's a distraction designed to lull you into sleep. It is a siren spirit. You know what that is? Come on, Odysseus. What's the name of that book, Dan? What is that, The Odyssey? The Odyssey, Odysseus is there on the mast and the sirens are just, just luring him to a place of indifference. That's what the spirit of this age is designed to do. It's designed to be a siren to lull your heart into a place of indifference. And today I say, wake up. We shatter the sound of the sirens of indifference and we declare that this house is a house that hears the voice of God. Come on, stand to your feet this morning, let's pray. David, good luck, I have no idea how you're gonna end this. Come on, let's just lift our hands. You know why I like lifting my hands? Because it's uncomfortable. You lift your hands up long enough, your, your shoulders begin to burn. Christianity is not supposed to be comfortable. Father, we break the plane of indifference. We break the plane of comfortability. Father, I speak right now even to the atmosphere of Colorado Springs and I rebuke the lie that says church is supposed to be convenient and it's supposed to be comfortable. Father, I rebuke every placating spirit that is designed to lull us into a place of apathy and indifference. We rebuke you today. You're a liar. You are a liar. The status quo spirit of the enemy, I address you today and I say you're a liar. And I rebuke you. You are, you are a distraction. And I command you to be expelled from this region, from this house, from my mind, from my heart, from my emotions. I draw a bloodline right now in the boundaries of my city. And I declare that these spirits of indifference, these spirits of mockery, these spirits of ridicule, these spirits of division, you are not welcome in Colorado Springs. You are not welcome in Antioch Church. You are not welcome in the church of my city. In the name of Jesus, Father, I announce an awakening spirit to the church of Colorado Springs. 
I silence every siren of the enemy that has been on assignment to silence our voice, that has been on assignment to lull us into a place of passivity and indifference. And I declare that the church of our city is alive. It is awake. We are strong. We are advancing in the name of Jesus. And Father, today I want, I want us just for 120 seconds to pray for the sick. If you're sick, throw your hands up. Let somebody just lay their hand on you. I am believing for miracles in our services. I am believing in our small groups. People will get healed. I am believing on the streets. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for the sick to be healed in Antioch Church. We pray for the sick to be healed on the streets of our city. We rebuke every assignment of the enemy. We expose every distraction of sickness. You are a distraction. You must leave. We arrest you today in the name of Jesus. And Father, we call on the healing power of God. Let your healing power come to the body of Christ. Let your healing power be made manifest. Let it rise up. Let it well up in the name of Jesus. Oh, Spirit of God, do what you did as before. Oh, Spirit of God, arrest us. Arrest us. Arrest our passion. Arrest our attention today in the name of Jesus. I pray that this week, that every single one of us, we would pray for someone else, that we would care, that we would get frustrated, that we would weep, that we would, be, that we would mourn, that we would be broken at the state of those who are afflicted in our body and in our city, that we would, be, we would be irritated by sickness in the name of Jesus. Oh, Spirit of the living God, we call upon the virtue of Jesus and we say, heal the sick. Heal the sick, oh God, we pray today in the name of Jesus. We declare and announce good reports. We declare and announce victory. We declare and announce health in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Church, I commission you today. I commission you today and the authority of the king and the authority of this kingdom. I commission you to live as never before. I commission you to hear his voice. I commission you to press into his heart and to know him, to live in your potential, to walk in the fullness of your destiny. I commission you today to be awake, to be alive, to be alert, to be active and to be activated and to be anointed on assignment. I commission you today to hear the voice of God to be in alignment, to be in agreement, to walk in power. I commission you today to walk out of the chains that have held you and to advance into your new season. In Jesus' name. Could you just clap your hands in the presence of the Lord today? We say yes. We say yes. We say yes. 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 We say yes. We agree. In Jesus' name. God bless you, Antioch Church. You guys walk in your power and in your victory. In Jesus' name, amen.